Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. We exist for the lost to be found, the found to be free, and peace to reign in our city. For more great resources like this, check out therestingplacetampa.com. I got to say this while he's up here. Mark is a spiritual father to me. He's an apostle and a prophet, and he uh, has been pivotal in guiding us in our structure, our systems, and even our hearts, and healing Jamadi and I in many ways, and just being true, a true father and mother in the faith. So I want you to receive him that way, a trustworthy father who's not just done the work systems, but the love, the, the love work, the heart work. So I'm so grateful for you. One more time, give it up for Mark and Ann. All right, thank you. Yeah, that means a lot to be called a papa. Unless I'm with Hispanics, papas are potatoes. So it's, uh, I didn't know which one I was being called for a while. Uh, but anyways, uh, I am corny. I've got two speeds, corny and serious. So I'll try to transition to the other one. Um, I just got back from Bulgaria, uh, the Netherlands. God told me to go. And um, so uh, he actually told me to get vaccinated. And I said, I don't want to get vaccinated. He says, I don't care. I'm going to send you to the nations. So, okay. So I did, and it was absolutely incredible. God had me buy a ticket for the Netherlands before it was open. And he told me the day it was going to open. So I know that he was in it. And when I went there, it was just, it just totally is breaking into revival. I'll be going back in October. And um, we just love to see what God's going to do. I, I thought I, you know, I didn't like it. I mean, how many of you have been told you know it's God when he tells you to do something you don't want to do? Okay. You know, we don't think God just tells us things to do that we like to, to do. But he said, I'm going to open the nations. The moment I was obedient, immediately two emails came to come to the nations. How many want to go to the nations? All right. So the next one is middle of October. We're going to go to Kenya. Put up a picture here. Uh, if you start that. This, um, I'm going to try to go really fast here because, uh, but anyways, uh, this woman on the left, her name is Cynthia. Um, when I met her, I didn't know it, but she was a prostitute. And I prophesied over her that she was going to be a business leader in the community and become a mother to many. And um, I didn't know anything about her. And it was just in a meeting. Six months later, I was there. She came up to me and she said, my name is Cynthia. The day you prophesied over me, I left the street. Um, God started uh, building me up. I'm becoming a business leader. And now I'm working in the HIV center, reaching prostitutes and also teaching them how to do business. So it was really awesome. And this man on the right, his name is Evans. And um, he, uh, he came to me one day and he said, hey, um, it's against the law to be a homosexual in Kenya. And it's also against the law to be a prostitute. And there are a lot of young boys that are on the street. And he said, no one wants them. We find them beaten. And he said, would you like to meet some of them? Because I said, well, yeah. And he goes, well, if you meet them, it would be like them meeting the president of the United States. I mean, it'd be that hard. And I said, well, I'd love to meet him. He says, all right, I have five in the car. So he brought them in and, and um, they came up. They looked so terrified. And I didn't know what to say. And so just by the spirit, I just hugged these boys. I just held them as long as I could. And they wept and they accepted the Lord. It was powerful. And um, we have an outreach to them. So we're going to go in October 
And we've, we saw 125 prostitutes baptized in one week. Okay? I mean, it's crazy. We now have 5,000 churches there. And if you, how many would like to just be dropped off in a village and you can preach for six hours and heal the sick and cast out demons? Is there anybody here? All right, so uh, I'll do it. I'll come back and pick you up and I'll drop you off with a few others. Uh, go to the next picture um, there. I'm gonna keep on using this PowerPoint. Just keep on going. These are the boys, these young men. They came to Christ. We gave them Bibles and now they are helping us all up and down the coast and I believe that God's gonna use them mightily. Go to the next one. Um, we have a school and an orphanage and we've gone from, uh, go to the next one there. We've gone from 125 to 450 students in two years because the Muslim schools shut down and about a third to half of them are orphans. And, uh, it's just been, been amazing. So we're building schools and toilets. Uh, <laughs> how many know when you got more students? I didn't know it, but you got to, the first thing you got to do is build toilets. You know, it's not like, you know, you know, I'm thinking classrooms, teachers, no toilets. Okay. So that was really important. <laughs> and so we're doing that. Um, but if you love kids and you want to hold them, love on them, We'd love to take you to do that as well. And if you want to give to TOTN, it's just TOTN.org, and you can give, sow in regularly into this mission, and it'll all be given to that. If you go to the next one here. Um, now, this is my message, so I'm going to do that. By the way, the two people that were baptized, where are you? All right, I have prophetic words for you. Okay, I'll come after the service, and I'll be over here, and you can, you can put in your coupon for the prophetic word, okay? All right, so... Um, uh, <laughs> you know, this here, you are here. How many have seen one of these when you go into a mall or something like that, right? Um, the, I woke up this morning. I have a different message I'm going to do in the second service. I don't always do that. But this message is for your video file. And this message is something that is going to be for people as they come into the church. How many people were uh, born or were raised or brought into an apostolic church before you came here? How many were, have been a part of an apostolic church? Okay, maybe third. How many of you say, what is that? Okay, what's an apostolic? Okay, good. Some of the same people, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> to be honest, but and I'm kidding. I am going to tell you who you are so that everyone in the future knows exactly who you are and why you are organized the way you are, okay? I'm going to give you language and identity that is going to be very powerful for you in the future. Because I want to let you know this. You're not a traditional church. All right? But I'm going to tell you why. And I'm going to tell you exactly the context of this. Okay? Um, if you've ever heard of Dr. Peter Wagner, um, I teach at the Wagner University. This is a part of my class. Um, I, I've got a book on it. I I oversaw, I was the executive director of a movement that's in 50 countries called Harvest International Ministry. So <clears throat> what I'm talking to you about is very important. So where are you? Where, where are you? Go on to the next slide here. And just for those who may be new to it, when we use the word apostolic or apostles, we're not talking about the important people. <laughs> because everyone in this room is apostolic in the sense that how many of you have a heart for the region? How many of you want to see people raised up into their purpose and identity? How many of you are apostolic? 
Okay, see your hands should go up. When you start to understand the word apostolic isn't a title, it's a function and, and it's something that God's calling you to as a body because you're not just about building a local church. You're literally called, I want you to hear this, rest, resting place is called to lead a movement. Or, did you hear that? You're, when, you're lead, when you're trying to build a church, it's very different if you're trying to lead a movement. And the key is to lead a movement is that everyone is important. There's no important people and unimportant people. There's no really super anointed people and others that are kind of maybe a little bit anointed. There's no anointing problem in the kingdom. All right. Even the little ones, they don't have like a little junior Holy Spirit. Okay. Everybody's anointed. Now, this is really, really important. And where did it start? You know, apostolic ministry started when Jesus went up onto the mountain. He went to pray and he was saying, Father, I've got all these people. What do I do with them? And the Lord showed him 12 and he set them apart and he said, give them the title apostles. And the question is, where did Jesus get the word apostle? Does anybody know? Did he make it up? Did he find it somewhere in the, in, in the faith, in, in, in the Old Testament as we know it? Did he find it in any religious movement? No. The Greek word apostle was from the Roman government. And the Rome, as you know, the Roman Empire would grow. They would conquer a territory. And when they conquered a territory, they needed cross-cultural experts who would go and they could teach Roman culture to them, education, agriculture, teach them everything about their culture that would make them now a part of the Roman Greco uh, culture, right? And so what happens is, is they called them apostolos, which just means literally sent ones. They're sent out from a home base, so to speak. And this in the Roman government is for coming from, you know, from, of course, the emperor. And, and what happens is there's this sending out to, to represent Rome. How many of you have been sent out by Jesus? Okay, that's what makes you apostolic. You're sent once. But Jesus didn't say, go make disciples. He said, go make disciples of nations. He didn't say, go make disciples. He said, make disciples of nations. You know what nations are? People groups. How many people groups do we have represented in this room right now? We got lots of, you know, and it's not just racial or gender. Some of it's like, hey, you know, motorcycle. Anybody part of a motorcycle group at all or or anybody gamers here? Any you know gamers that are a part of that? I mean, there's so many different people groups and cultures out there, and you're all called to a people group. And you know, and and so the reason why this is important is that is that um, the Lord sends us out. We're sent to transform. You know, I go to Kenya, right? I go back in the bush. There's no running water. There's no electricity. And guess what? They're wearing like suits sometimes, like they wear the same suit every day, but they want to look British. I can go anywhere in Kenya and have a British breakfast. Why? Because the British occupied Kenya and before they were freed. So that's why they speak English. By the way, a lot of those countries, it's open the gospel. But the truth is there's, there's, there's British culture 
that's very much a part of Kenyan culture. But what culture do you carry? Kingdom culture. In fact, I'm going to talk about that in the second service, about the culture of safety. But what I want to say today is that, is that you're sent out, and, and this church has a mighty call upon it, and you are activating the apostolic. And that, what that means is, is that you're making disciples of nations. 1 Corinthians 12, 28, it says, And in the church God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and it goes on. Why is this really important? Because in, in traditional churches, everyone is called pastor. Even if they're not pastoral. I don't know what's happening to my voice. I found like, you know, it's going somewhere. <laughs> Left it on the airplane, I think. Why is this important? Because we call everybody pastor in ministry. What happens if the pastor isn't pastoral? People get hurt. A lot of people have been set up in traditional churches. They've looked to one man, one woman, one person, and they feel like they don't have a relationship, and they feel like an orphan because of the way it was set up. How many, how many people are called pastor in the New Testament? Does anybody know? Who can name a pastor? Jesus. Well, that's very good. How many can name an apostle in the New Testament? How many are there in the, Old, in the New Testament? This is a participation message. How, how many are in the New Testament? How many apostles? What does tradition teach you? Twelve. Are there more than twelve? How many more? Start naming them. Paul? Paulus? Timothy, Titus, yeah, keep going. There's about close to at least 23 by name. Matthias was the 13th. And what happens is, is, that, is that the most common title in, in the early church was apostle. And guess what? In the book of the, in the New Testament, there's not one person called pastor. Why, why am I sharing this message? Because your church understands that titles are important, but when they're misused, they actually hinder the church. All right? And why I'm presenting this message and why I want to have this video is I want you to understand what you're doing and how you're organized. So I'm going to get into that in a second here. But I want you to understand that God has appointed every one of you and anybody that receives a title in this house, the purpose is not for them but because their goal and their role is to serve you and to raise you up into your purpose. And that's why we don't have, you go by senior leader, senior dude. That's pretty most accurate. What is an apostolic center? What is one? Has anybody ever heard the phrase apostolic center? Okay, this is what we're seeing. A new wine is never put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskin and so both are preserved. My, my spiritual father, an apostle, wrote this. An apostolic center represents a new model of kingdom authority. It provides a new structure for advancing God's kingdom culture to every sphere of influence 
and society into every nation. It carries a fresh vision of how the church is delivering the gospel to a world that has become a global community. It does not replace the local church, but it does differ in several important ways. Apostolic centers are actually hubs that may cover a region or nation or even the entire world. Let me go on here. Let's give a case study. We have dear friends in Madison, Wisconsin, and they started a house of prayer. They didn't try to start a church. They just wanted to impact um, the University of, uh, what is it, is it Wisconsin? Yeah, University of Wisconsin. And so they got a house of prayer right there by the student center, and they began just to pray. And what happened was they didn't, their, their goal wasn't to plant a church, all right? So it says here, with an emphasis on the apostolic, the house of prayer remained the heartbeat for the ministry. For Stephen and Renee Springer, the presence of the Lord is not the benefit. It is the essence of who they are and from which everything flows. How many saw that today? In the worship, it was like everything flows out of the presence. All right. And as my dear friend Brian Simmons was saying, presence is when you experience it individually but glory comes when you come together corporately. And, and I love that. Then it says this, not ever wanting to pattern the church after what they knew, it actually was a training center which released people into their destiny, creativity, and freedom. Sounds like the Jesus lab. Okay. As the Spirit led, they kept true to who they were personally and released others to do the same. In time, the word church felt limiting and too narrow and the local ministry blossomed into many expressions, an art gallery, in-house fitness center, dance studio, legal clinic, marketplace, and business development, healing center, and other exciting ministries. Does anybody have a vision for any of those things? Anybody in this room? Come on down. See, that's what we're looking for in an apostolic center, is for your dreams and your desires to reach different spheres. What happens if this became one of the greatest places known to heal families. What happens if this, was, this came, place became, became known the greatest place to help people come through recovery? I'm just trying to tell you that, that the dreams that God has given all of you have to be birthed somewhere. And you have to be in, in culture that knows how to teach you how to give birth. A lot of you've had something in you a long time. You've been a Christian for many years. It's never been birthed. An apostolic center says it's our responsibility to create an environment where you can birth the things that God put in you. Amen? That's why we don't focus on a pastor. Do we believe in pastors? I wasn't trying to believe it. We love pastors. Okay? But pastors care for the sheep. All right? My wife is very pastoral. She'll love you, hug you. You come to me and I'll tell you to get over it. You see what I'm saying? You need both of us. All right? You don't need one of us. And you need the fivefold. But, we'll, you know, I'm ripping through this, I know. You're going to see my point here. It's very important. Um, our global scene, on the global scene, they were led to Ghana, were given land and developed a world-changing transformation center. And as a hub, they realized they were an apostolic center. If you go to the next, next um, slide, and um, this is what I'm going to try to show you, the progression. 
Church has many forms. And by the way, I am not implying that one form is better than another. All right. I believe that with a fivefold. I don't believe that apostolic is more important than teachers. I don't believe that. I don't believe that prophets are more important than evangelists. Okay. I want all five. All right. And I value all five. And the way I teach the fivefold is it's not really important just for you to know your anointing, but it's most important that you're honoring everybody else's anointing around you. Okay. Because if I know your anointing, let's say I know you're a teacher and you start struggling with justice issues. I know how to help you. If you're an evangelist and you start to struggle with, with, with rejection, I know how to help you. I know how to help you based on your fivefold. I know how to love you through the fivefold. And I know how to serve beside you with the fivefold. That's the goal of the fivefold. I'm not about the fivefold. Fivefold is fivefold. Who cares about the fivefold? I do. I wrote a book in 13 languages. I know. But the point isn't the fivefold. The point is you coming into your destiny, but also it's five fingers because how many of you like to keep all of your fingers? Okay, that's good. You're a very brilliant group. This, this is amazing. Uh, and you want to have this look like the, the, the kingdom is supposed to look like fivefold working together. How many of you have ever had an argument which finger or thumb is the most important? No, that would be ridiculous. I mean, I have inner conflicts, but never over my hand. Like the cheap mark and the rich mark are in conflict sometimes. But, you know, we have different pe- things within us that are in conflict. We have different parts of us going against each other. The fivefold, the unity, the gifts of the spirit are always supposed to unite us. But here in the home church, the people gather the church to love and honor one another. And there's a sense of community, but there's not much leadership or equipping. It's just basically a group where people feel like welcome. How many know that's important? So you need groups like that. But they're not necessarily transforming the world. They're basically just having good food, prayer, And they might have a purpose. I'm not saying that. But oftentimes they're very inward and they're for the purpose solely of relationship. And by the way, I believe in the small church, the small groups. I believe they're a vital part of your life. The second one is the pastor-led church. And that's where the pastor leads primarily the, the programs and ministries. I was that. I was a pastor for 24 years. 10 years I was a traditional pastor. Okay. I ran everything almost. Because that's what I was told in seminary. I mean, seminary. And I, I know how to run a church. And I know how to run programs. And I know how to grow a church. And I know how to do the math. And I know what to do as a program traditional pastor. That's not a problem. I was a Baptist and had a lot of favor. The fivefold church is when it's led by someone who has strong fivefold gifts, oftentimes an evangelist. But if an evangelist is the senior leader and they don't have any other team, people come in the front door and exit the back door. Because evangelists always want to focus on the new people. The older, longer-term people, you're kind of like, oh, it's good, good, good you came to Christ, good you come to the church, now we've got to go get the new people. Prophetic churches, they're all about worship, all but hardly anything about teaching. Teaching churches often are all about truth and rules, but very little spirit. Prophetic churches are all about spirit and hardly any teaching. Okay? I can, I can tell you everything about your church by reading your bulletin or your website. I can tell you who's in charge, what kind of leader there is, 
and how many people are activated by your website <laughs> and by your announcements, actually. <laughs> the church takes the strengths of the leader and all fivefold are value, valued, but in early levels, meaning we respect you, but as long as you think like us. That's how most churches are. The pastor will stand up and say, here's my vision. And if you fit in with my vision, guess what? We're going to go together. And you fit into that. A radical shift happens when you become an apostle-led church or an apostolic church because the goal of the apostolic church is to spell apostle correctly, which I have to correct that. Um, the, the difference between this, the transition is suddenly... The apostle leads the church in the way that their main goal all the time is to raise you up into your destiny and purpose. It's not to build the church. Did you hear that? So when I became out of a pastor-led church and I started to move apostolically, I got up and I repented. I did. I said I was trained to be selfish. I was trained in seminary. That I had the vision, and as long as you came into agreement with what I believed and helped me build it, you were a big part of it. But if you didn't fit into what I, what I believed was important, you were almost irrelevant. And I didn't care if you were leading people to Christ. I didn't think about it. I mean, it's not like I didn't care. I didn't know if you were at your workplace leading people to Christ or going down to the park or doing prayer walking or doing intercession or going to other nations because if it didn't relate to building my church, I wasn't really quite interested. Can I be, am I being blunt here? I want you to hear this. That was me. I was a selfish pastor because I was trained to build my church. When I stepped into apostolic leadership, I repented because my goal and my desire is not to build my church. My goal is to build you up. Are you following that? That's a radical shift. That's why your prophetic word, <laughs> I might as well go into it. The Lord said, I'm tearing down everything that he found strength in in the world. And he's becoming a bricklayer. A brick, he's going to build people up line upon line because I'm building him up from within Right now, I'm healing everything in him, and I'm teaching him how to have strength in me, not in other things. So that's your call. You are called to mature. I'm going to be talking about that in the second service. I'm going to talk about the culture of safety and maturity. But I want you to know our culture here is that every one of you are called into your purpose. How many know with, with total certainty what your call and purpose for your life is? Okay, eight of you, 10 of you, we're going to change that. You talk about when I come, it's going to change. We have to measure, and, and I'm challenging you, executive team, everybody in this room, within the next time I come, they have to know their calling and purpose, and they have to declare it like wild people, Okay. I'm called to heal hearts. Ugh, where's a heart to heal? You know, that's what I want them to look like. Because an apostolic church wants you to know you have a mighty call upon your life. And, and the person next to you has one too. But if you don't know yours, then what happens? You're just looking for someone else. And 
you know, we don't do this alone. The church is intentional about raising others up and has a heart for the region. How many would say that was true about this church? Okay, so we know that you're an apostolic church. And listen to this. The last part is when you become a regional center, a hub, the strong apostle and team. By the way, did you notice the team here? It's an executive team. It's a pastoral team. I mean, it's an apostolic team. I don't care what you call it. But they literally lead to impact the church, churches and also ministries in the region. Okay? I love my wife. She's apostolic, prophetic as well. She's been going downtown uh, with Antifa on one side, BLM on the other side, downtown Portland, going to love them, going to worship. But her goal is to shift the region, to shift the region. And they started in one place, and literally it drove out BLM and Antifa. They went to another part. They blessed every policeman as they went in and out, uh, or the ones that were, were receive it. And they just really came to shift the region. I want to show you this, practically what this looks for your church. How am I doing for time? Not much time. Go ahead. Next one here. It's just, why don't, why don't I just go to the next one because this is uh, stuff you can come back to. See, let me show you. The left side is a traditional church and the right side is an apostolic church. On the left side, the church is led by a senior pastor. On the right side, the center is led by an apostle or a team of apostles. How many recognize Caleb as an apostle? Okay. And I would like to have a for more formal time, maybe where Brian and I and possibly Georgian, we come and we have a big celebration. Okay. And maybe do other commissionings too. Some other fivefold commissionings. But if we haven't commissioned you yet, it's, and along with Jomani, it's, it's kind of like, we have to start with the honor in the house, okay? Church, le church leaders on the left side, they have a vision for the church. But in apostolic center leaders, the leaders have a vision for the region. What's the difference? Huge. You're not always gonna, you don't always have to be the biggest church. You have to have influence, spheres of influence. Government, education, business. I, I smell business around here. Man, you smell like business. Business leaders, come on. We got to set people free from poverty mindsets and we got to break people through. We got to, I, I really think you need to have a business training center here. I really do. I think it's time. Showing people how to invest to help break through financially, that'd be awesome. Anybody here capable to help us do that? That's great. We need that. Pastor leads the staff in daily operations. Fivefold leaders are raised up to lead as the apostle adjusts to meet emerging needs. So when I was back here early on, very early, I met Scott. What's your title, Scott? Dude? Executive pastor? All right. I, why do I ask for titles? Do, a lot of people are counter, uh, you know, they don't believe in titles. Do you know that not believing in titles is, tearing, is, is, is actually hurting the church? I'm not saying we have to call everybody a title, but some of you, anybody here like a CEO of a company? Okay, that's a title that's real. Anybody here in government have a, a government office of any kind? Okay, what's your title? You're a prosecutor. Is there authority that comes with that? Absolutely. About to be a judge. Yeah, that's no. You're what we're talking about here. Your sphere of influence 
is critical to the kingdom. Okay? Everybody in this room, your titles are not worthless. We don't go by, our identity is not the title. That's why you can call me Papa or dude or friend or brother. I'm not, I don't need you to call me apostle, but I want the function because I want to go shift the nation of Netherlands. I want to go shift Bulgaria. Okay? I, I have three cities I'm going to in Russia. They translated. They said, we're waiting for you. They have three cities, over 200 pastors in each city that read the book waiting for me. I'm ready. Senior pastor.